Welcome to The Bridge, fun conversations on culture, life, and everything in between. Welcome to The Bridge. We are a show which connects East and West. My name is Jason. I'm originally from sunny California, the Golden State, now living in Beijing, city of museums. Today with me is Bebe. Hi, Jason. How are you? Find us where you get your podcasts. If you like the show, then consider pushing the like button or giving us five stars. Suggestions, comments, anything you would like to share, email us at welovethebridge at gmail.com. We love the bridge. Do we have time to chat? Because I want to know about your uh, spring festival trip, how you survived your stay at your wife's, uh, I guess, your wife's hometown. Yeah, it was it was lovely. Was everything okay? Did people eat you up? (laughs) Here comes a foreigner. Uh, You know, how was it? There were lots of foreigners in Yantai, surprisingly, more than I've ever seen before. Oh, so did you not feel special and pampered? (laughs) You know, it was snowing part of the time and there's this new part of town. I don't remember the name of it, but it was in Beijing. We have a place called Nanlogoshan, which is like a, an oh, alley right. full of shops that's cool. And university students go there and there's lots of yummy snacks. It's like ancient and, part of Beijing yeah, yeah. kind of thing. They opened a place that's much like that in Yantai, where there's like this whole series of interwoven streets that kind of resemble the Beijing hutongs. And there were snacks. Mm. And, and I tried for the first time Yantai chuar there. So this is like a barbecue on oh, a stick, right? And now I right. can't. I will never be able to eat Beijing chuar again. Yantai chuar what was like... What do you like, mean? It was so uh-huh. much better. It was... Like each of the pieces of meat was like a hunk of meat, and like it was like, and now I look at Beijing Chuar and I'm like, where's the meat? (laughs) Oh, yeah. You're listening to The Bridge. I know we have something very important to talk about today, and I already sound very excited. Yeah, I'm excited, too. (laughs) So January, Sunday, the 8th, last month, the American Farm Bureau Federation uh, passed a Memorandum of Understanding, MOU, ensuring farmers had the, quote, right to repair already purchased equipment. With the governor of New York State uh, signing the U.S. first right to repair law in December of 2022, the movement is picking up steam. A right, which is already enshrined in laws and nations around the world may be making inroads into the U.S. You know why I find this important? Because it's uh, it matters to the environment. Uh, hey, I was going to ask you because as I was reading this uh, document, I was like, huh? Uh, <laughs> right to repair? First of all, my first question was, why do I need a right to repair? And second of all, I was like, uh, farm <laughs> equipment? When did we start, like, you know, learning about farm equipments? Mm. But then when I got into it, I realized, oh, this is actually a huge deal. Hmm. And it can influence uh, all of us, Everything. not just farm equipment. Yeah, I think you probably just came across one of those articles online about like something specific to the farming industry, hmm. which is important. Um, but repairs, I mean, it can it's related to everything we use. But I, I also want to ask you, like, how did you come across this? Well, you know, I've this is kind of random, right? I, I've been reading about this for years, but I found the article in January and I was like, OK, this is relevant because there's new developments in terms of the U.S. I thought that was interesting. But, you know, I wanted mm. to tell a story that happened to me last year. My wife bought me a watch a couple years ago, and it's one of the big brands. I'm not going to say which brand it was. And it had at that time the right to bring it in forever to the shop, the official shop, to have it opened mm. up and the battery replaced for its for the existence of the watch. 
watch. The watch exists. It can the battery can be replaced by the uh, the name brand that sold the watch. But we went to a private watch repair person here in Beijing, even mm. though that this brand exists here and they could have done it and had the battery replaced. Now, if mm. we bring the watch to the brand, they will say we won't touch this. If anything goes wrong, you're on your own. Because as soon as oh. you have the watch repaired by a non-official watch repair person that work does not work for that mm-hmm. that brand's company, your watch falls mm-hmm. out of their warranty, which I, you know is kind of in right. line with this issue. I kind of understand this, right? They don't want other people to tinker with uh, the mechanics inside. But the right to repair, um, mm. like, can you tell us a little bit more about that? Mm. I think it's more relevant. Okay, so this is the first time I heard of it was when the iPod mm. came out, the original iPod. When the original iPod came out, they designed it to fail. Literally, there's there's whole documentaries <laughs> you can find on it. So they designed the battery specifically to fail so that after the battery was had failed, you would not be able to continue using that iPod and you will have to throw your iPod away and get a new, get a new one. iPod. Yeah. So this ensured mm. that all of these young, trendy hipster types would constantly be buying every year or so a brand new iPod and increasing Apple's, you know, market share and, you know, the amount of money that they're able, the revenue that they were able to make from well, selling this gadget. Before the battery even breaks, they come out with a newer model, right? <laughs> yeah, and that's, that's their, actually their strategy a trick. now. Yeah. You know, that's a strategy that's been in place for decades. I'm not too sure if it started there, but back in, I was just reading about this. Back in 1926, General Motors, under the management of Sloan, you know about him? No. Alfred Sloan? No, I do not. Okay, anyhow. So, uh, 1926, General Motors introduced what came to be known as the annual model change or yearly modifications to each model. And some of these changes, you know, there are measurable material improvements, such as better brakes and more reliable transmissions. I mean, it was like back in 26, right? When mm-hmm. things were still experimental yeah, being designed. But, mo- but then he says, but most were cosmetic and stylish and intended to provide an emotional reward, the pleasure of owning the newest car on the block or the thrill of a more powerful engine or some clever new gadget or mm. convenience. And this is part of what you call a conspicuous consumption. And they were doing this specifically and uh, knowing our human weakness, you know, how we look to other people, you know, how we compare, mm-hmm. how we mm-hmm. care oh, about our social status. Oh, you have last year's car? <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> what happened to you? <laughs> Did you lose your job? <laughs> Anyhow, so it's totally just um, playing up to our psychological needs. And so it's no, it's no new thing, right? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. we have, as decades of consumers, have been played by, you know, manufacturers, capitalists, mm-hmm. whose goal is to maximi- maximize their profits. Mm-hmm. And that's why when people talk about freedom, you know, I want to remind them that, hey, this is a freedom that <laughs> you can break, you know, you can break out of their control and gain for yourself. By the way, so this little passage that is from a very good book uh, that I just started reading, it's called The Impulse Society hmm. by Paul Roberts. I've only read the first chapter, but it's so good hmm. that like, I don't even want to speed read it. I want to <laughs> savor it and I want to read it again and again. But anyhow, so these are a few tricks. And speaking of iPods, I was trying to 
to remember. Wait, what was that? That was because that was like one of the um, older things, right? Or, you know, the first few that went crazy that everybody had have. And I found that over the years, because I use iPhones, I found that iPhones don't last long. The ones I have, they lasted for about, what, on average, three years. Mm. Now, you pay thousands here in RMB for an iPhone. Mm -hmm. And they only last for, like, because I don't change my, like, electronic gadgets until they uh they break Mm. i'm not interested in them so to speak like i don't crave for the newer model i don't fall for that stuff you know i just use them um but then they break so easily like for just for sometimes it's like minor problems Mm. if it's like the screen that i can ask someone to come over and fix it or you go take it to the shop but then if something it's you know it's internal uh, with the battery and all it's just uh sometimes it's not worth it Mm. to to fix it so it's this is a complaint okay against iphones they should last longer i agree you know these things should last longer for those folks who don't want to have to buy new models every year but you know what's really interesting here in uh beijing is there are an enormous amount of capable you know electronic experts who are easily accessible Mm. so there are some shops here in beijing where you can take in your xiaomi and your uh huawei and your iphone and Mm. you can mix and match parts all you want no it's really yeah you you can make the phone of your dream yeah there's so many cool things you can actually i don't do that stuff but i know i have friends who oh play, my gosh. play around with doing that but you know what's really That's interesting weird. if you look at mac products they actually configure the the tools that you will need to be unique tools so if you have like hmm. a new apple phone that comes out hmm. there will be instead of hex wrench they'll have a penta wrench what i mean is instead okay, of whatever six these are. instead of six little grooves in the place you would turn the tiny little screw it'll have five or seven it'll have some bizarre what? shape so that only a tool that is meant to fix an apple product can be used to fix that apple product so oh. even when they do give right to repair in some countries around the world a lot of people who do repairs will have to get an entirely new set of tools from that company huh. in order to repair that product but i bet that manufacturers in china can make anything oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to, to crack these iphones open i don't think that'll be a big problem well there's another issue these super passwords Uh passwords so a lot of little parts of it will have a password to open it up or to look at it digitally or to find out what's wrong with it because sometimes you have to attach a part of of an iphone or or whatever phone any kind of electronic device to a computer to ask it what's broken in you and it will (laughs) tell you what's broken Uh but you can't ask it that if you don't have the passwords so the the law that was passed in new york in december of 2022 their right to repair law actually was Mm. uh changed between when it was passed and when it was designed to when it was actually passed so that it allowed companies to reserve these passwords and not give them out so even if you can't now that you can't yeah exactly if you have the right to repair but most repair persons Mm. will not be able to do it because they don't have the necessary equipment tools digital passwords and things to actually repair these kinds of high-tech gadgets and gizmos hmm okay so it's like every step you take to try to fix
fix whatever you own, like a message will flash on the screen that say, just buy a new one. <laughs> right? Yeah, I think, you know, I think for, that's the thing for most people is they can't be bothered. I mean, if you have an iron, right, or a washing machine from 1985, I think there's really mm. good, you know, reason to keep fixing that piece of equipment, you know, maybe if it's not too energy inefficient. But like if you have a mm. brand new phone that stopped working after a couple years, I think, you know, for most of us are just going to say time to upgrade, you know, and there are ways to quote recycle your phone where they you send it to like a group of people who rips it apart and reuses all of the rare earth metals and right. things inside of it. There are or, apps where yeah, you yeah. recycle these, right? Exactly. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't know how well they pay, but for me, I have like three iPhones in my desk. <laughs> wow. Because I, I feel like I have photos in there, mm-hmm. even though I don't even remember the passwords to my <laughs> past iPhones. Seriously. But I feel like someday I'm going to remember because um, I have photos in there. And also, <laughs> it sounds really silly. It's really every, funny, every yeah. time something breaks, like my these cameras that we used to have, the better ones, mm-hmm. like the ones that cost like 10,000 RMB. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They've been sitting there forever. And my husband's like, you got to sell these. You know, like he said that like 10 years ago, he's like, you got to sell these. You can, you know, they'll still sell for some money, but years later, they're going to worth be worth nothing. Well, I mean, but for me, it's like, I've got, oh, it's going to go yeah, through like and a, computers and stuff. Eventually, it's going to become super valuable because maybe at first it's like decreases in value for the first 10 or 20 years. But at some point, it oh. actually increases in value for collectors. When I'm 80, <laughs> and then <laughs> if I can still, if I can still find it. Oh, yeah. You're listening to The Bridge. And also another complaint, okay? Mm-hmm. This is so kind of a warning to other consumers. Um, so besides the fact that iPhones, at least the ones I've owned, tend to break down pretty mm-hmm. soon, like in average three years. Also, um, you know the brand Dyson? Yeah, yeah. Very, very popular here in China. Mm-hmm. So they have these uh, vacuum cleaners that you don't need to uh, plug in. Mm-hmm. Like what? the non-plug-in vacuum cleaners. You just like charge them. They have like a, you know, super battery. They'll last for a while, maybe wow. like an hour. Amazing. So it's enough for you to clean your apartment, you know, maybe once or twice. And it was very convenient. I bought it um, at the start of the pandemic because at that time, like we couldn't, our nanny couldn't come or hourly help wouldn't come. Mm. So I was like, you know what, this will help me clean my place. And it worked very nicely, right? But only for two years and something broke. Mm -hmm. And I think it's just the, the on and off button. So you press the button. When you press it, it starts vacuuming. It sounds like one of the spray or whatever inside mm-hmm. is broken. Mm-hmm. So I don't think it's like it, like electronics parts that went wrong. So it's something that's very physical. Uh, I don't know how to say it. Like something that should be pretty easy to fix if you just have the parts. Mm. But I don't know how. So I called them. They said it would cost me about $200 wow. to fix it. And but I was the, like, the, it's the only Dyson the, company? Yeah, like their official brand website. So they were very nice. But I'm like, I can't pay you 1300 RMB to fix a button. You know, I was like, you know, it was, <laughs> I, I don't think it's anything wrong. It's just totally mechanical, but you know, they have to, they, they have, we have to change the whole head or something. And so it's still sitting in my storage somewhere. I don't want to throw it away. Well, maybe later I'll find some, hopefully some repair guy. Um, yeah. I don't know if they'll have the right parts to, you know, Beijing, that will fit oh, perfectly. Yeah. I'm sure some, there's, there's some technical expert here in Beijing. You just have to go to the right place 
you can fix anything you can imagine. See, like if my dad were here, he he's a very handyman. He'll be able to fix things like, you know, cars, any kind of cars, mm. um, houses or the, down to like little things like my earrings or wow. necklaces. You know, he's just one of those guys, you know, he can fix anything. Mm. But when I so when I was reading this right to repair thing, I was like, are you telling me now um, that if I have to fix my like home appliances, breaking the law for fixing it myself <laughs> i think because my dad fixes yes. everything yeah. like, you are technically breaking some okay. national law somewhere in some countries if you repair some things but most of the punishment isn't going to be if you, unless you're reverse engineering it the punishment is going to be now that you've messed around with your dyson and fixed something it's yourself dyson probably will never allow you to use their services to fix that device again because they'll say well you've already tried to repair this like so we're not liable for but they're any, so anything. expensive anyway yeah Plus, oh, warranties also, stop working also. Yeah, it was like right after two years. Mm. Isn't that smart? Paul? I always mm. wondered this because there I watched a documentary about uh, light bulbs in the United States and uh, the Soviet Union. It's really interesting. You in watched the- a documentary about light bulbs? <laughs> I'm, not a, I'm not the most interesting person. <laughs> explain. Okay, so apparently <laughs> I've never been to the Soviet Union or Russia or anything, but I, I have no vested interest. But what I think is really interesting is that the United States, the companies, because this is really smart. You're on a CEO board. You're one of the executives. You design your light bulb to last a year so that people have to keep buying light bulbs. In the Soviet Union, they had the opposite kind of thinking. They were like, we need to make a light bulb so that once they have the light bulb, they don't need another light bulb. So in the Soviet Union, they designed light bulbs to last 20 or 30 years. And in the United States, mm. they're, la- they're building light or designing and building light bulbs that last a year. I watched an hour documentary about this, by the way. I find it absolutely fascinating that, you know, I think capitalism has its, it's, uh, it's, re- they're required reasons why right now in the global order capitalism makes sense for a lot of countries in some degree but like Mm. uh some of the aspects of capitalism like this uh design to fail aspect are clearly problematic for consumers sure if i am the ceo of ge this is great Mm. but if i'm like you know some lady who needs a light bulb then oh man i have to keep buying a light bulb every single year and that's you know not fair to the consumer they should be able to buy you know, things that last for a decade or two. We should really, it's its high times to uh, start rethinking capitalism. I actually bought like 10 books wow. um, <laughs> just about capitalism because I think, you know, we can't delay this for any longer. And one of the books I just read was, uh, is called Reimagining Capitalism in a World on Fire. It's by Rebecca Henderson. And I think it's published uh, just two years ago. Yeah, mm. 2020. And I'm starting to see more books that's calling people to wake up Mm. to wake up to the idea that everything is for you know maximizing profit because it's going to lead us to ruins you know we we will be living in piles of garbage burning (laughs) garbage and our future generations won't be able to breathe um clean air and it's it's not just about the environment it's so much more yeah well i think it's interesting that if you look at uh the united states and china those are the places that you and i have lived and been Mm. i think both of them are have some degree of capitalism and that it is useful. So I think that, uh, mm-hmm. you know, it's not about doing away with capitalism necessarily. It's about tweaking, no, 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 it's it's tweaking. It. Yeah, it's exactly. Right, it's about right, tweaking right. it so that the consumer, so that most people are better off. You're listening to The Bridge. 
I wanted to actually point out about this New York law that they passed. This comes from oh. an article, New York, June 4th, 2022, U.S. passes first right to repair law for digital electronics. By U.S., it means New York. And in that article, so odd. I don't, yeah, mm-hmm. in, yeah, right to repair. It's very strange. Um, you think of food, right to food, right? Or like water or like health or something, but right to repair. Uh, I guess that, you know, we live in a new time. Anyways, one of the things you're, you cannot repair, it does not mm. include our police radios. And I thought that was really interesting personally. Like it just stuck out to me. Why not police radios? <laughs> like, is there well, like, I a, guess. Yeah, go ahead. There could be security reasons. But like, like, if you fix it by a private person, they might implant something. Oh, that, oh yeah. You know? well, no, I mean, why? Like you're solving a crime. No, but I mean, if I think based on the movies I watch, because I, that's all I know about police radios, like anyone can listen into the police anyway, because it's just like in the air. All you have to do is have like a CB radio and turn it to the right frequency and you can listen to the police anyway. I think people do that professionally, like including news organizations. So. So for me, it was like literally New York doesn't want police to have a a gadget guy who repairs his own radios because they want to they have a deal with the police radio manufacturer and they want to make sure that that guy keeps making money because I I, I can't imagine why the police wouldn't be able to repair their own radios. Like because if if you have a station right with like thousand police in it and you're in a big city, Mm -hmm. then like you could just have some repair guy who fixes them all. And then the person who they outsource that to would be out of a job. And so it seems to mm. me like there's some kind of inside deal here to protect someone's well, investment. Well, that's always the case, I think. Mm. But, you know, I, I will be able to, you know, leave the police radios alone. But somebody, <laughs> can you fix my Dyson like vacuum cleaner <laughs> or my iPhone? And also have a broken my MacBook. MacBook. Oh, sure. So um, it's actually the newest one we bought. Mm. And uh, one of those days I was a little clumsy Uh-oh. and my cell phone literally just like touched the screen you know it my cell phone kind of fell but it wasn't you know from a high place i was just using it mm-hmm. and it hit the screen and the screen was it's, it's broken so i now have these like two dark wide stripes and they're getting uh, dark stripes they're getting wider they're like oh, no. covering like one quarter of the the screen i mean i can still see most of the screen but <laughs> it's uh it's, it's broken well we called to the official like site to ask how much it will cost to place the screen yeah they were saying like somewhere around like 4,000 RMB, what? four to 5,000 RMB. I was like, are you crazy? Well, how long? That's ha- like half the cost. You didn't have a warranty? Uh, I don't remember. Like my husband bought it. I don't you know the it details. was fairly new because we bought. It's fairly new. Yeah. We bought a Xiaomi laptop for me and we bumped the back of it pretty hard, actually, the back of the uh, screen. Um, And mm. it's sh- almost shattered the screen. Like uh, one third of it was instantly gone. And so we sent, <laughs> we, we mailed it to them and they mailed it us back because we had just bought it like a month before. And it was, I think, mm. free as far as I don't remember correctly. I'm, I, I'm, I may be mistaken, but I think it was free and they just replaced the screen entirely or whatever. And so, you That's know, pretty nice. sa- saved the day because we had just bought it. It was it was still inside of whatever warranty we had. Yeah, I don't know about the warranty. Well, maybe I'll look. It's probably we probably either didn't get it or some other reason. And then we asked, like, we try to find some private person to fix it. Mm. And it will cost about like 2000 or so. Mm. I mean, like, it's uh, I guess it's OK, it's worth but it. still it's worth it. Yeah. And now we our solution is to project it onto the TV. I was going to say <laughs> so, that you could just like have use it an external screen. My wife asked right. me to do that after it got broken. I said, no way. <laughs> right. But it's if it's still within warranty. But anyhow. 
know, I mean, these things are easily broken. And I really, really uh, want to uh, get to the part that I, I'm so excited about, mm -hmm. which is repair cafes. Yeah, so yeah, it's yeah. An, I'm so happy about this idea that somebody, you know, came up with this. Mm -hmm. It's it's not like a fancy idea here in China, because um, I think especially in like towns and villages, mm -hmm. people are used to fixing stuff, right? If something is broken, you don't just throw it away. It's just not the way people do things. And uh, maybe in major cities, that's how people have, I guess, quote unquote, used to doing things. Um, just, you know, a throwaway society. Um, but for the older generations and for people who have, um, I guess, lower average uh, income, mm -hmm. you know, it's the mentality is still let's fix it. I mean, I remember back in the days when I was uh, little, um, we used to have these, um, they're not like peddlers, but they're not peddlers who sell stuff, mm -hmm. but are recyclers. Mm. They will be on their tricycle and uh, they will usually call out, you know, in the neighborhood. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, we recycle still have fridge. Those. We recycle TV. Really? Wait, well, I, I, I was living inside of Xichang and I, there was a guy who would mm. come around and ask to repair things and ask to take things. Right, like secondhand. But and you'd I guess hear they him, pay like, much. With right? like a, really cheap. Um, he had like one of those little plastic megaphone things and it would yell yeah, yeah, constantly yeah. in a loop. <laughs> coming around exactly. to repair coming around to repair and he would have Old a list TV, of the things broken that, exactly, fridge. Yes, yes. <laughs> exactly. yeah. and so i used to wonder what they do with it i guess you can take them apart right like a junkyard you can sell the parts or they fix it and they sell them to like uh villages mm. or you know like poor places where people can still make good use of it for years to come really quickly so uh this is from an article by cgtn uh october of 2021 fighting for the right to repair Old electronic devices and in it it talks mm. about in europe they have a lot of manufacturers who are required to allow people to repair their devices and there are these things called repair cafes where people get together nice. like a flea market and in germany mm -hmm. they have they have thousands of these events and you know people who have the technical ability to repair different things will have different booths and people show up mm. and say hey can you fix this vacuum dyson this dyson vacuum cleaner or can you fix this you know uh, macbook air <laughs> <laughs> Everything in your house is stuff. broken. <laughs> <laughs> Here's my mug <laughs> in three parts. <laughs> and they do this for free. People just show up out of the goodness of their heart with the technical skill. And they just, you know, they spend a couple hours helping 10 or 20 people repair their various devices. Wow. I mean, I was so excited when I learned about this idea. And I actually came across this uh, watching a random video on Billy Billy. Mm. And the video is about um, a similar. I think I'm not too sure if they are like of the same uh, system, hmm. but it's also called Repair Cafe. Mm -hmm. And the Chinese name is Ling Fei Qi Chengdu. It's like a, a project mm -hmm. or some kind of movement, zero waste movement. I don't mm -hmm. know if you heard of it. This particular one is called Zero Waste Chengdu. And I think it's related to one of the um, hostels. Um, like it's called Flip Flop Hostel. So I guess where, you know, young people stay when they travel. Mm. So it's um, it was, I guess, inspired by the fact that, you know, this throwaway attitude can't continue. Mm -hmm. Right. There's too much of a burden on, on, on Earth, um, too much waste. Mm -hmm. And so they started this repair cafe and the owners are called uh, the founders are called Rocco and Emma. And uh, it was inspired by, you know, the lady Martini Postma. No, I'm not too sure if I'm saying her name right. She's the one who started a repair cafe phase back in 2009 mm -hmm. and so the owners of this um uh, 
zero waste Chengdu project, they were telling the story of this this lady. So back in 2009, she had this uh, like toy from her childhood that mm. was broken and she wanted to fix it. So, you know, maybe friends got together and they just started fixing things. I mean, you wow. could totally imagine that, right? Let's yeah. get together, um, see if someone can fix my, you know, teddy bear or mm -hmm. some other, you know, they even have like ceramic toys. What an idea. But anyhow, so these people got together and they found it to be so exciting, so much fun that, Cer you know, they, they met regularly. What is ceramic? Ceramics, like, um, you know, your mugs and stuff. Oh, OK. They're like I, I have back one. in the days, they're like toys, oh, um, rabbits, bunnies. Can yeah. You hear this? yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I can hear it. This is a nice. Ping Duendren. Ping Duendren. I got a Ping Duendren toy. Yeah. You, yeah, this is like the second time you're showing that off now. <laughs> so this, this whole thing started in, I think, in Amsterdam, Holland. Mm. And so it basically started with this lady who wanted to fix a, a childhood toy. Yeah. And so they got together every month and they found this so exciting. I mean, imagine in like northern parts of Europe where mm. people, I don't know, my impression is uh, it's a pretty lonely place. <laughs> you know, they're not, not all that popular. It's a very exciting it place to go. <laughs> I don't know. Well, it's beautiful, but probably not quite exciting, right? Well, you will find right? a little better. They, they you have, go to cafes. They have and... cities and stuff. <laughs> but for me, I feel like this is such a good way, not just to fix things and, you know, help uh, lighten the burden on the environment, mm. but also for people to get together. Yeah. I mean, like, it, it, because if you just go to, like, the cafe, you're mm. still, like, strangers, right? You know, mm, yeah. um, what shall we talk about? But if you have a purpose and even better if we have a mission mm. right and every month you know something's broken then people from the neighborhood bring it to the repair cafe and some guy with the skills like my dad would be very very popular get together and figure out how to fix things and wouldn't you be interested jason i would be interested in right? making making a lot of money making a tv show called repair cafe about a bunch of ah. people who get together and fix things together <laughs> because you know number one it would promote the idea of repair cafes number two i bet it would mm -hmm. be hecka funny <laughs> <laughs> but I think it's going to be a lot of fun. And with Jason shooting the video, <laughs> you know, um, and also I felt so I, I became interested. I was like, this is a really good idea. Mm. And I'm so proud of um, the younger generation, mm. you know, who are not confined by a lot of these um, old ways of thinking who can break free from some of the constraints, you know, of like status or uh, showing off material wealth mm -hmm. um, and to go after more noble purposes. So anyhow, I was like, this is interesting. And I went online and researched a bit more about this lady. Uh, I think her name is Martini Postma, M-A-R-T-I-N-E. She's an activist and a former journalist mm. who started the Repair Cafe movement. And nowadays we have over, they have over 2,000 repair cafes in more than 30 countries. Wow. Oh, wow. Isn't that exciting? And together they prevented around 420,000 kilos of of waste wow. in 2019 alone. Wow. So basically, if you weigh all the stuff they fixed and then and they're still using, you know, it's equal to, wow, 40, 420,000. Thank kilos. you for bringing and this to all the lawyers' attention. We're going to get these ladies for all of the criminal acts that they've been committing. <laughs> <laughs> all right. That cattle, ma'am, so you got to turn that in. <laughs> You're listening to The Bridge. 
there's another article, nationalreview.com, reduce, reuse, recycle, and repair. So repair huh. apparently can be like what you're talking about, a way to help the environment. In that, it talks, of course. It talks about the kinds mm. of products in Europe that you're allowed to repair according to an eco-design and energy labeling package that was passed in the European Union in 2019. And the things that you are allowed to repair, refrigerators, washing machines, dishwashers, home televisions, electronic displays, light sources, separate control gears, external power supplies, electronic motors, refrigerators, power transformers, and welding equipment. So that does not have uh -huh. cell phones on it. So if these repair uh -huh. groups, my what really fascinates me is the, you know, the gray area. If you try to repair your cell phone in Europe, in Europe are you going to get in trouble? I was thinking the same thing, Jason. <laughs> I was hoping you would tell me the answer. Oh, so I if know. I, you know, I'm like, if I just given up on my iPhone, I was like, you know, I'm just going to try to fix it. Right. Even if it's like broken, fine. I'll just get a new one. So if I crack that open and start trying to fix it with somebody like call the police. A helicopters <laughs> instantaneously <laughs> overhead with lights on. Oh my gosh. Maybe there will be some kind of alarm inside the iPhone. You and have with a little camera. Me. Close me immediately. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and report yourself to the local police. <laughs> Okay, anyhow, so uh, let me continue with the, um, mm, sure, so sure. they they prevented um, so many kilos of waste in 19, in 2019 alone. And according to the, foundation, the uh, foundation's calculations, that's approximately 10 million kilograms of carbon dioxide successfully mm, mm, mm. prevented. Wow. And coffee machines made up most of those items. Wow. That has slipped through our net. Coffee machines. Coffee machine. <laughs> We're too They're actually really simple coffee machine i have a coffee machine and if it broke i'm i'm not even a technical person i could probably fix it because all it has is one yeah. part that gets hot and then the other part lets water go through <laughs> it's like i gotta change the net it's broken but um in wait, wait in one of the books i think uh, speaking of um co2 or mm. carbon dioxide here's mm. some information this is from uh reimagining capitalism in a world on fire i i would recommend more people reading the mm. book um so it talks about how energy is actually not cheap now energy seems cheap because we don't pay its full cost mm. so i i guess you don't sit around uh worrying about the bills you pay for electricity i don't pay or for water right because well at this special apartment right <laughs> yeah. uh, but also in general right you don't it's not like a huge deal but of course the past winter or this winter uh past two winters actually more people in the world have been yeah, worrying yeah. about well, energy gas, costs. gas gas is a big deal in europe yeah exactly but in general in this book says energy is cheap because we don't pay its full costs hmm. american consumers pay roughly this is from page 20 i'm confused uh, american <laughs> well you, you'll be clear so on page 20 it says american consumers pay roughly five cents per kilowatt hour for electricity from coal-fired power plants but burning coal emits enormous quantities of uh, carbon dioxide one of the leading causes of global warming hmm. and producing a kilowatt hour of coal-fired electricity causes at least 
least another four cents of climate-related change. Mm. Um, and moreover, burning coal kills thousands of people every year and destroys the health of many more. And extraction, transportation, processing, and combustion of coal in the U.S. cost 24,000 lives to be lost every year due to lung and heart diseases. Wow. And 11,000 additional lives are lost annually due to the high health burdens found in coal mining regions. So one estimate suggests that every ton of carbon dioxide emissions is associated with current health care costs about $40 now every ton, which will imply a cost per kilowatt hour of about $0.04. Cents. And they figured out that this means we're only paying about 40% of the real costs of burning coal. You're making me want to turn and, the lights off. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm researching. <laughs> Let's see. I, I've turned it off already. Um, but yes, it's, you know, we got to pay more attention because if you just consider how much money you're paying for electricity, you're not taking in the whole picture. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of additional costs that you're not paying, like health costs, well, I mean, um, environmental costs. Simply divesting from coal and uh, fuel, gas and uh, oil and starting to get our energy from solar and wind, uh, nuclear and other sort forms of power that don't emit fossil fuels. Isn't, wouldn't that solve mm. a lot of these problems? That will. That will help. But sometimes it's just a simple fact that, you know, why waste? Now, if you work for uh, the electronic industry, uh, if you, you know, if you sell in electricity, they will, you know, you will love it when everybody keeps their light on because they'll be making more money. But that's not how we should judge things, well, right? You know, well, there's actually, also there's a way to problematize just that. And I was just thinking of it. So that, uh, mm. say, rich billionaire CEO who wants you to keep your lights on they also mm -hmm. have grandchildren who have to grow up on earth so maybe it's not in their best interest for us to keep the lights on well i hope they figure that in but you know <laughs> they will they have the resources to move their grandchild to, to other parts of the earth <laughs> yeah or even to mars seriously so i don't think they're as worried there still be like pockets of places on earth where people can inhabit and they will probably buy those places Urgh. anyhow so i want to continue <laughs> with this article i sure, found sure. it's actually from i ifixit.com mm -hmm. ifixit what a name and the article the name is the woman behind the repair cafe movement that's from so the it's not an article it is it well is, anyhow I've it's actually online. mentioned it. okay great well so we're talking about you know same things and it's um it's not just about like saving the environment and it's i think in the end it's just about doing the right thing you know we don't have to use economic uh, models or equations to figure things out now the martini postma said our lives are packed with things right mm -hmm. and it doesn't have to be you know if something is broken worn out not needed anymore is it like do we just automatically throw them away why can't we invest a little bit more time right mm -hmm. and more and more people she said are not feeling good about throwing our throwaway society mm -hmm. and are ready for change they don't throw away because they want to but because they don't know what else to do exactly like i haven't thrown away my dyson mm -hmm. because i spent like three thousand rmb on it mm -hmm. and I know just one minor part is broken, but I just haven't found a good way of uh, a cheaper way of fixing it. And um, <laughs> so I mentioned that uh, the things they br 
bring to repair cafes really could be anything. I mean, she started it by fixing a toy right、mm. from her childhood, and other people they bring their vacuum cleaners, bicycles, lamps, trousers, <laughs> sewing machines, clocks,、mm. coats, irons, and laptops. And imagine the atmosphere where people get together in a nice little cafe and they start fixing things together. And I think even like younger, the young generation will be so attracted to it. I mean, so many people they they pay to get you know for classes about how to fix things, you know how things are wired. This would be a great opportunity. And she also said that a lot of the things that people bring to repair cafes are not really broken; they just need some attention. You know, they need to be cleaned, lubricated, or descaled. In many cases, the solutions are really simple, but people are lacking knowledge on how to take care of them. Maintain or fix things, and that's the problem. Which reminds me, I have a broken printer somewhere. Everything in, in your house is broken.、Place. I imagine. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was. I still remember the day we bought it. You know, maybe it was about like ten years ago, and it was fancy back then. It's、uh, it's a printer, and you can fax things, and you can make copies <laughs> and scan things. things? I don't well, even know then, fax, do fax numbers、ago. even exist anymore. <laughs> like, what era it, it, are you was, from, baby? <laughs> it was still a time, you know. It bridged the old and the newer time. But anyhow, it was very fancy. It was quite chunky though, and、um, we, but we didn't really use it a lot. So I think the problem is that the、um, the, the place where ink comes in is clogged. So I think because old ink didn't weren't cleaned off. So some of the I don't know like. Like the the channels are blocked or something,、mm-hmm. you know where the the yeah, tubes for the ink, whatever. With the yeah chemical. Yeah, I think I literally think that's the only problem. But it's like inside somewhere, and I don't want to be tinkering with it. But I don't know how to how to fix it. So、uh, actually, we bought a new printer just like like last year. But I feel bad about the old one.、We、I don't. I don't it think、away. it's the. I mean, when we live in a large place like Beijing, I actually don't worry as much about it because if I put something that is. Only require small value, like to repair, or someone is going to know how to repair.、Mm. If I just put that outside, it's gone in a couple hours. And in my imagination, is someone is going to go fix that somehow because they know the place to go, and they're going to give it or、mm. sell it to someone, either give it away to their family or they're going to sell it、Hopefully. for some. So I don't usually don't feel bad. Also, I want to point out that some kinds of technology like get better, and you, if you're like me, I do a lot of media, I do a lot of Instagram. Stuff. My current phone was okay last year, and it's not good good enough. My current cell phone is not good enough. Wow, you're、year. getting wrinkly. <laughs> you're blaming your phone now. <laughs> no, I'm serious. The phone it can't keep up with the amount of pixels and the quality of picture I need to take. And because I did take an enormous amount of footage that I can't do without, I literally can't do without. I try to delete my、mm. photos. I need twice or、That's、four times、problem. the amount of memory. So、mm. I'm gonna buy another new phone. And you know what? What? I've been doing that every year as they get better, and it just becomes necessary to keep up with the cutting edge technology. So I imagine for the next the several, I have a collection of old phones like you,、huh. but I know the passwords to my baby, so I can.、And、I was going to ask. <laughs> and I, I, I should just not change my passwords. We can repurpose them if you take it. Look, if you take a phone card and you go to the f- the phone company like here in China, you can switch it to Wi-Fi only, so you can turn your pr- most recent cell phone into a 
mobile hotspot. So you literally put it in your bag when you go out and you have your old mm-hmm. phone and your new phone and your old phone is a, a, a walking hotspot and your new phone is uh, uses more. <laughs> it, it works. It, you actually end up saving I can, by repurposing them. For I can other... see you walking down the hutongs <laughs> in Beijing, feeling so proud of yourself <laughs> with the two cell phones, <laughs> like one emitting whatever <laughs> signals. It's, it's cheaper. But so anyhow. If I use my phone plan, this is true. If I use my phone mm-hmm. plan Wi-Fi, it costs more than a simple chip that on- does not have enough phone number attached to it. It's just mm-hmm. for Wi-Fi. So having my old phone be a Wi-Fi hotspot, I actually save money. But I mean, if, if there were some old phone uh, that I had that was completely useless, be, I usually do get rid of. And I bring them to, because the, they have physical locations here in Beijing where there's a huge booth mm-hmm. where they have like different kinds of metal. You'd be surprised. I maybe I maybe you've seen different them. Kinds of different kinds of yeah. There's a whole slot just for like special metals. They have slots for plastic, slots for different cheaper kinds of plastic, slots for paper, slots for phones, slots and different kinds of things. And you put them into these holes in this giant thing. Presumably, it all goes to somewhere where it can be processed. And you know, you're you're old. talking about like a recycling station in America. The recycling stations I've been to are like there's a huge truck full of glass, and they're like they take a certain kind of glass. <laughs> but here in China, mm-hmm. the recycling centers I've seen are very specific. So you have the normal ones that are close to you. But if you investigate, there's usually a place within a kilometer of your home here in Beijing where you can go and recycle anything and it will be able to go into the right place for its specific you kind of devices. You should do like a video Yeah, that's about a good this. idea. That's a good idea. I will. I will. Yeah. Because there's a place not um, far from and, here. And if you travel to like, uh, like Norway, like Northern Europe and also Japan, I think they are really good at recycling. Mm-hmm. They've, uh, they've got it all worked out mm. and you'll be like amazed at how much work they put into recycling their stuff mm. which is which is uh, something that we should all learn and i you know i i actually worry about garbage every day Jason. you should there are places I'm yeah you're I, I, you should it's really terrible every day i look at you know the garbage we produce not just food but like all kinds of boxes and packaging and i i worry i'm like what are we going to do with all these mm. and if i really do a thorough job it's it's gonna take me some time to sort things through every day Mm. and then so for a lot of people they just dump it outside right Mm -hmm. and now of course beijing has done more work when it comes to segregating your garbage you know the the kitchen garbage and other recyclables but i think there Mm -hmm. a lot more can be done Mm -hmm. but it's something that sometimes it keeps me awake at night oh (laughs) all the garbage we produce you're listening to the bridge I want to keep sharing this article I found. And so in this article, it says the lack of knowledge isn't always consumers fault, like how to fix things. It says manufacturers often don't provide repair information to consumers Mm -hmm. and spare parts are hard to find. See, that's the thing about my Dyson vacuum cleaner. You know, they probably have some like very specific buttons and springs that they use. And it says also modern products are often good enough to last for a few years, but not made to last for decades. And when they break, replacing them is not only cheaper, but also easier than looking for a spare part and the right repair manual, which is very true. So that's why the Repair Cafe Foundation, they introduced the Repair Monitor, which is an online tool that enables Repair Cafe volunteers to register repair data about the products and brands brought to their cafe. Isn't hmm. that cool? Yeah. So you would Sounds start like to have like a repair <laughs> database. Yeah. And with Repair Monitor, uh, volunteers can log information 
information like product defects and the success of uh, specific repairs. That information is then turned over to the foundation to provide insights into the durability and repairability of the products we use, we use daily. And hopefully, if we keep doing this, um, manufacturers will be pushed into making more durable products, you know, instead of just, you know, knowingly uh, produce things that will only last for like two to three years. Uh, speaking of which, um, the the fridge I think that I own mm -hmm. is like like twenty years old or something, and it's still working. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's like really old model, but some of the things they make back then um, can really last for a long time, but you know, not the newer ones. I feel two ways mm. about that because you know, in uh, different countries, they have stickers on your different electronic kind of devices, and they tell you how energy efficient that device is. And mm. you know, whether we like it or not, the newer models are like ten times more energy efficient than older models so like that's true so it's nice that we can save that fridge but we have to really measure it against the impact that it's having on the consumption of energy is it worth saving mm. an old fridge if it's going to use like two or three or four or five times as much energy so you know i think there needs to be like an online energy calculator for helping people make those kinds of decisions too well i'm emotionally attached to that fridge <laughs> i think it's just so honest okay. and so diligent and dedicated you you know, it never it never whines. It doesn't make any trouble. It's just it just does its thing. Mm. Um, so I think I'm going to keep it for mm. as long as it lasts. And also, I was this remind me of um, uh, I, I was just talking with my husband last night. I was like, oh, why do I have all of these lights on? And he was like, oh, I've put in these newest light bulbs that are very, very energy efficient. Mm. So even if I turn all the lights on, <laughs> they actually uh, they don't use as much energy as like one light bulb in the past. Wow. So I was like, okay, but still turn these off <laughs> if you don't need it. <laughs> yeah, if you, if you still only need one, you only need one, right? For reading. Um, right. I'm imagining Bebe is in her, he's got uh -huh. a pile of books out. You only really need one good light bulb. Uh, yeah. Anyhow, well, the last part of uh, the article I want to share is mm -hmm. uh, changing the world starts with a change in thinking mm -hmm. because, you know, it's not just about how to fix things, right? It's really a new way of thinking or actually a revival of an older way of thinking. Um, a better way of thinking. It says the repair movement and the right to repair still have a way to go. But the good news is all you need to do to change your own status quo is change the way you think. Fixing things is not as hard That's as great. many I, people expect. I don't want to buy anything. Yeah. All I have to do is start thinking differently. That's fantastic. You yeah. saved me so much money. Well, <laughs> it says whether you are replacing a smartphone battery or mending clothes and repair doesn't just connect us to our stuff uh, to our stuff and repair Repair doesn't just connect us to our stuff. It also helps us connect with other people, mm. whether it's through the iFixit community or those nice folks who helped you fix your coffee machine at a repair cafe. Mm. Isn't that nice? It is and for people who, I, who need to yeah. get out of their house and make friends with other people. I'm not thinking of anyone in particular. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. And I'll be lugging my like 10 broken you know, <laughs> I, electronic I pieces. I expect in six oh. months that baby will be running her own repair facility somewhere <laughs> um yeah if somebody can really fix these i'm i'm, I'm willing to pay you, you, Not and, your, 4, you, 000, you but... and your dad both show up and then it'll be worth it right <laughs> i think it's time to invite my dad over <laughs> i think he'll be able to fix all of them yeah and he i think he really enjoys the process of fixing things i mean he he's really good at mm -hmm. fixing cars mm -hmm. 
And I think he basically learned it himself. Mm. And I once asked him about it. I was like, you know, why do you spend so much time doing all of this? He's like, I feel so rewarded when I can mend a bro- something that's broken mm. and to, you know, to, to kick life back into the whole machine again. Mm-hmm. He's even able to fix like, uh, um, like dentures. <laughs> Wow. Like fake teeth. He, he, he I don't know. It's, it's almost as good as, it's almost as good as before. <laughs> <laughs> no, he did. He sure, fixed yes, my yes, grandma's dentures and they worked for like years and glasses and every little thing. That's I think good, he's yeah. even brave enough to fee- to fix people's teeth. If, uh, people him to do so. Well, you know, my dad, my dad, <laughs> worked con- my dad worked at construction. So he was really good at fixing um, homes. So if anything was wrong with your mm-hmm. home, anything at all, you'd be able to fix that in fact my grandmother probably saved like tens of thousands of dollars because anything broke in her house or needed to be updated my dad would just show up and work the weekend until it was repaired yeah seriously you know how much money that saves mm. i mean you know how much, like you know every time my mom complains about my dad i remind her that you know how much money we save because dad <laughs> can fix things mm. like literally from air conditioner to the roof to i don't know whatever boiler Dent- dentures. anything dentures <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> which are very, very expensive. Yeah, they you are. know to to fix and to get. I mean, I don't have any. So I, I imagine. <laughs> yeah, I, I I'm so happy that we got into this. I mean, at the start of um, what I was reading the the material set the material you sent me, I was like, huh, I'm not interested in farm machinery, <laughs> <laughs> but it's so much bigger than that. And I actually I want to ask our listeners is see if you can find one of these repair cafes around you know where you live i mean there's one in Chengdu at least right and i think it's going to be a popular idea for the younger generation and not to mention the possible downturn in world economy right uh, potential po- potential it's possible potential it, it, it seems, but i think seems, people are just being nice yeah it does seem like it's very uh, strong probability but you know no one can tell the future so it's a good time that we learn change our mentality and our throwaway attitude and start reusing things a lot of things are not really that broken right mm. you don't have to always buy new things. It's always a great pleasure talking with you, baby. Thank you for your enthusiasm on this kind of esoteric topic. And also, uh, before we log off, I just want to recommend uh, the books they uh, mentioned in the show. One is Reimagining Capitalism in a World on Fire by Rebecca Henderson. And the other is called The Impulse Society, What's Wrong with Getting What We Want by Paul Rubbers. Um, these are really good books that I think it's time that we read things like this. All right. Thank you, Jason. Thank you, baby. 